Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. In the first 30 years of San Jose Sharks hockey, a select few players had the honor of wearing the captain's letter C on their sweaters. There was one season, 2003-2004, when the captaincy was split between three players for the first 40 games. Those players were Mike Ricci, Vincent Domfus, and Alan McCauley. Other than that, however, only 10 men were full-time captains of the franchise between 1991 and 2021. One of those captains was defenseman Todd Gill a veteran who played over a 1,000 games in the National Hockey League. Gil wore the C during a transitory phase in Sharks history when Al Sims gave way to Daryl Sutter as head coach. He was acquired from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for center Jamie Baker and a fifth-round selection in the 1996 draft. But hockey began many years earlier for Todd Gill, and we began our conversation by talking about where he first fell in love with the sport growing up in the province of Ontario. Well, um, how did it start? I grew up in a small town in Cardinal, and, uh, you know, literally in the winter you played hockey, and in the summer you played road hockey. So it was uh, just something that I loved to do, and, and uh, I followed my, my dreams, and I was lucky enough to uh, get drafted and play a, a long time in the NHL. When you grew up in that area, that that's right near the U.S.-Canadian border at, on the St. Lawrence River, uh, there's there's a long history of hockey, but there's also a, a, a lot of devotion to the team you ended up playing for, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Was that your favorite team growing up? Well, growing up, unfortunately, uh, we didn't have the Internet then, and, and uh, the only team that I really got to see on Saturday night was the Montreal Canadiens. So I think most kids in this area, the Canadians, were kind of everyone's favorite team. So um, I'd have to say Montreal was the team I, I liked the most growing up because that was really the only team I got to see. Did you have any favorite players growing up? Yeah, Gila Point was my uh, my favorite player on the Canadians. Um, I wore his number five all through uh, minor hockey and. Uh, Tried to, to master my game around his being, you know, pretty good offensive player, but uh, reliable defensively. When did you start to realize that you had a special talent and that uh, there might be a possibility to play hockey at a higher level? Well, to be quite honest with you, um, I'm not sure if I ever felt that. I just, uh, like I said, grew up in a smaller town. Um, I did exactly what I, I was wanting to do and loved to do. And, you know, each level, um, I was asked to go and, and play for that team. And, and that kind of took me out of Cardinal and, and got me on the road to the NHL. So I ended up playing uh, with the Brothel Braves here in Brothel. And then uh, from there, I went to the Winter Spitfires and then on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's interesting, too, that a lot of kids that play for the Brockville Braves or the Gloucester Rangers or any of those teams in that league have to make a choice. They decide whether or not they want to play college hockey. A lot of guys come over to St. Lawrence and Clarkson just over the border, or they go, as you did, to, to the Ontario Hockey League. How, how difficult a decision was that for you, and, and when did you make it? 
I, uh, I had an opportunity to go to the NCAA, um, and then obviously got drafted by Windsor, and I had to make that decision. And, and then I looked at my report cards and decided uh, OHL was the way to go. Well, that's one way of deciding it, of course. Marcel Pronovo was the guy that you played for in Windsor. He was your head coach, and he's one of the great defensemen, actually, of an amazing era in the NHL. What did you learn from him? Everything. Uh, he was an uh, ultimate uh, professional. Um, you know, for you, I obviously didn't get the opportunity to see him play, but in talking with people that have played against him and, and himself, you know, he was the ultimate competitor, and uh, he, did, he was a great coach. Loved him to death, and, and he taught you as much on the ice as he did off. When you think about it, you know, he played in an era when some of the greatest players of all time established the NHL. You know, Gordie Howe was a teammate of his, Sid Abel, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Did you hear very many stories about the old-time NHL when he was coaching you? You know what? He never really brought it up a lot. Um, you know, if we're on the bus, we'd ask him to get on the, on the mic and, and say a few words about, you know, some of his favorite stories. And I, I think he uh, he was a little uncomfortable talking about it. I don't, I've never found out the reason why, but um, we kind of let him be. Uh, he, like I said, uh, was a great gentleman, and we didn't want to bother him. You were a second-round draft pick by the Maple Leafs in 1984. So any doubts you might have had about whether or not you had a special talent had to be erased by that. But uh, what was it like to be drafted, and were you at the draft when you were selected? Yes, uh, it was a, you know the ultimate feeling uh, for a young hockey player that's worked hard and, and finally getting recognized for his hard work. And, and uh, I was lucky enough to get drafted in the second round of Toronto. And um, Toronto was, was you know, playing in the OHL. You kind of went through Toronto to get out to all these other cities. And you're just saying, geez, someday I'm going to be playing here. And uh, it was it was the ultimate. Um, very proud, uh, you know, just not for myself, but for my family and, and everybody that helped me along the way. You were drafted at the Montreal Forum, too. Was that the first time you were ever in the building, or had you gone to some Canadians games growing up? No, that was the first time, and I forgot to answer that my last question. I did go to the draft, and uh, I did get to come down and walk on the draft floor and put that Maple Leaf jersey on. It was quite an experience. A lot of people say that when you you put on a jersey like that of a team that's as storied, whether it's Toronto or Montreal or any of the original six teams, uh, the, the, you kind of walk into a, a, a private spot where there's a mirror and look at yourself wearing it. I mean, is, is that the kind of feeling that you get of how special that is? Yes, it is. Um, you know, it almost makes you want to cry a little bit. Uh, you know, there's so many emotions going through your mind that you just uh, you, you just don't know which way to turn. And then all of a sudden you turn and there's your mom and dad. You give them a big hug. And, and then you turn and there's uh, Rick By, the captain of Tom McLeese. And, you know, it's just... Like I said before, and I'm repeating myself, it was just the ultimate. Yeah, pretty amazing stuff. And, of course, uh, then your pro career got started a little bit. You, you ended up beginning your career after another year in Windsor by going to uh, St. Catharines in the American Hockey League and later on a little bit to Newmarket and getting your first taste of the National Hockey League back in 84-85. Ten games with the Maple Leafs, and you actually scored your first goal over the course of your career. You, you know, you didn't score a lot of goals you had 82 in a thousand games so that's that's uh not exactly what you'd call a 25 goal pace but uh, just tell us about that that first uh, goal that you scored and about the game that you the games that you played the first time you played in the nhl 
Well, the uh, the first goal I scored was against Philadelphia Flyers, and uh, I remember Russ Courtney kind of going down and then and, and wheeling up, and, and I just kind of jumped into the slot. And he fed me and uh, I beat Kelly Lindbergh to the uh, fireside. I'd like to tell everybody I wore a high glove, but uh, it wasn't. Um, and it was all it was awesome. Uh, you know, you you, uh, you go into the NHL thinking that you're ready as an 18 year old. You know, you had a, a pretty successful offensive junior career, and, and then you get there and go, "Wow, what's what's going on here? Why can't I do the things that I did in junior?" And that's why I agree with people going to the minors. It's uh, it's something that you need to learn. Uh, you have the the ability, you have the talent, but you don't have the know how. That's the problem. And, uh, you just can't do the things that uh, you're able to do at a lower level uh, because everybody's that much better, and uh, you have to outthink and outsmart uh, the opponent, and that takes time and maturity. Well, that's the other part of it, too. You know, you ended up going to St. Catharines and the New Market, as I mentioned, getting some Calder Cup playoff experience. Now, as you look back, uh, what do you make of that experience? Well, like I said, uh, you grow. Um, way back then, it's a little probably different than now. You know, here I am, uh, 20 years old, and I'm I'm living on my own and, and uh, you know, supplying my own groceries. And you don't have a mom there to help you out. You don't have someone there to do your laundry. You know, it all sounds a little passe, but it, it's uh, amazing how you have to mature as a young person when you uh, when you get thrown into the fire and saying, here, here's your paycheck. Now you make sure that uh, you're doing all the things you need to do to become a better person and a better player. Were you basically on your own when it came to nutrition? You, you basically are. It's so different now because I know that they bring these kids into the camps and they and they have a nutritionist and, and, and people there to teach you how to cook, to teach you how to do things uh, financially, you know, where to look and put your money. Back then it was, uh, here's your paycheck and good luck. Well, also you're in Toronto and that's a unique place to play in the NHL. First of all, playing at Maple Leaf Gardens had to be a, a big thrill to be able to do that. But also the fact that the, the attention of the media and the pressure in Toronto is so intense. What was that like for a young man? Well, to be quite honest with you, when I was in Toronto, there was a lot of us there that were, were very young. Uh, Russ Cordell, Jeff Jackson, Gary Nyland, Jim Benning, myself, Al Iafrey, you know, uh, Ken Raggett. We were all young and, and just full of piss and vinegar, and we... Uh, we kind of grew up with it. I, I'll be honest with you. When I was 18, 19, 20, I, I didn't even feel the pressure. I just loved playing hockey and enjoying Toronto and all it had to offer. And I think as you got older and as you uh, started having a family and realizing that this is a business, this is not, uh, it's not going to last forever, um, that's when the worries come in. We're talking with former Sharks captain Todd Gill, who had a lengthy National Hockey League playing career. A lot of it uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, of course, moving on after that, you ended up uh, going to San Jose in 1995-96. You had a year where you played a lot of hockey for the Maple Leafs. And then you're coming out to California and getting out of that cauldron of, of being with the Maple Leafs and coming to what was still a very new hockey team in the San Jose Sharks. Tell us about that process and, and how you found out that you were going to be a Shark and what happened. Well, I... Uh... I was taking my wife out for a birthday, and uh, we went to the golf course, and we're having supper, and I got a phone call saying uh, I need to call Cliff Fletcher. 
And I went, uh-oh. And I just signed a new contract, so I, I thought I was going to be in Toronto for a while. But uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, I was traded to the San Jose Sharks. Um, very excited, but very kind of scared, I guess is a, a good word to use. Um, you know, I was in Toronto for 12 years. And all of a sudden, I have to you know, sell my home, go down, take my family down, buy it. A new house, uh, find new doctors, put kids in schools. It was it was quite a change, and the difference is it was quite amazing. Um, uh, you know, I was captain of the San Jose Sharks. And I knew if I had, I kind of say this in a in a in a fun way, uh, I could put my street clothes on and go up sit in the stands, and nobody would know where who I was. And yet in Toronto, uh, middle of July, you're in a mall, people are coming up going, "What's wrong with that power play?" That was the difference between the two cities. But uh, love San Jose, love the uh, the area itself, and, and uh, had great teammates. The management was awesome. Nothing bad to say about San Jose at all. When you go to San Jose, when you're in a situation where the team is trying to to rebuild itself, that's something that that the Sharks are in right now. And I wondered if you have a thought about what that process is like for a player like yourself that was a 12-year veteran coming to a team, knowing that your leadership was definitely going to be depended on and needed. Well, the way I, I approached it was, you know, just go in and do what you do. And, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping my ammo was that I, I'm a guy that would work his, his tail off and, and do everything right uh, uh, you're going to make mistakes, but that's how you learn. And um, I think the guys that uh, go in and try to do too much, uh, you don't lead by example because you're, you're doing things that you don't normally do is not a good process. So uh, my suggestion to anybody that's a little bit older uh, trying to help this team uh, become better is just go in and do what you do the best and, and don't try to overdo anything. It's kind of interesting that uh, that you had no goals that year as a Shark, that one first season you were with the team, but you had 21 assists. And if I'm not mistaken, that's still the Sharks' record for most assists by a guy who had, didn't score a single goal in a season. Yeah, it was, a, it was a weird year that year because I always ended up with, you know, five to ten goals in a season. And I, I think I'm not looking at a sheet right now. The following year I ended up with – with uh, 14 or something like that. So it's funny how it all works out. And, uh, you know, I, I'll i be honest with you. Uh, when I went to San Jose, I was doing so much more than I in Toronto. Toronto is kind of just a power play guy. And, and I got to San Jose and I started playing power play, power kill. Uh, and I was only about 175 pounds. So it took its toll on me. And, and uh, you know, along with Dougie Bodge and my defense partner, we were playing against some of the you know, top lines in, in the league. And that was an ask that uh, I really loved doing, but uh, probably wasn't capable of doing. And, um, but all I did was, like I said earlier, give it my best and, and hope that it helps. Doug Bodger is just one of the many characters that were on that team back in those days. Owen Nolan and Jeff Friesen were the big scorers. Bernie Nichols was on the team. And uh, also one of your old uh, friends from Toronto, Al Iafredi, who, in my opinion, He's one of the most unique guys that ever played the game. What about that? Well, it's funny. I just uh, was with Al this weekend at a golf tournament. Uh, he hasn't changed a bit. He's a, a great human being, and, and like you said, he's he's got some quirks to him, but uh, that's what makes him Al, and, and we love him to death. I have never heard anybody describe injuries with 
more intellectual adjectives than he did. He didn't just uh, break a leg. He ruptured it or fractured it or something like that. That's the way you always like to talk about it. Yeah, he was he was quite the character, and you know you need people like that in the dressing room, you know, to keep it loose, and and yet, uh, you know, one heck of a hockey player, you know, the legs on him, he could skate like the wind, uh, could shoot the puck harder than anybody in the league, and, and yet, uh, you know, sit you down, tell you a little joke, and, and make you giggle. So he was the uh, the ultimate teammate. How about Owen Nolan, too? He was a leading scorer on the team that year, one of the most tempestuous guys in the league, but uh, but also somebody that loved the game. Well, I think when, when I left there and he got the C, they gave it to the right person. He was the ultimate competitor, um, tough as nails, and yet he uh, you know, had the, the feathery hands where he could put the puck in the net. So, uh, again, I was only with him a little bit, but he was, again, uh, the ultimate team. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people on that club are really involved in the game of hockey these days. Kelly Rudy was the goaltender, played 48 games that year. And, and you also remember that you were on the team at the time that uh, that was the time that Ed Belfour was traded to the Sharks and uh, was uh, played 13 games here before leaving as a as a free agent for Dallas and became a reviled guy in the Sharks fan base, but um, yeah. what what about all that? You know the fact that the, the Sharks were making moves to try to get big name players to come in and supplement what was here. Well, you know the whole Eddie situation was was kind of a, a disaster. Um, you know, he like you said, he came in for what was it, fourteen games, and, and uh, he, you know, in all the conversations I had with him, uh, having a beer, he would you know say, "Oh, I love it here. I want to stay here. I want to do this. I want to do that." you know he's gone so it, it's tough when you're you're trying to rebuild a team and, and you know, bringing in all these these so-called big names to uh to, to help you get better and you know i felt bad for dean because you know he was in my opinion doing a, a fantastic job and, and uh you know eddie went on to have a hell of a career in, in dallas and it would have been nice for him to be in san jose but we had kelly and mike Vernon, so we were we were established in that for sure then you went on to the St. Louis Blues and got traded for Joe Murphy, who came to the Sharks for a couple of years. You spent two years there, and then you went on to Detroit and Phoenix, ended up your career with uh, Colorado and Chicago. The final years of your career, you know, all over the course of your time, you, you had to endure some pretty serious injuries. What was the worst injury you ever had? Well, probably my shoulders. They're uh, unfortunately at best right now, and... and uh, you know, at, at the end of my career, it was more of a, you know, I just loved the game so much. I, I just tried to hang on and probably should have retired long before I did. But, uh, you know, that passion, you'd wake up and you, you just talk to your wife. And, you know, I was very, very fortunate to have a very understanding and, and uh, supportive wife. And, and the kids, they just said, no, let's do it. Let's go. And uh, um, I enjoyed every minute of it. But uh, looking back on it, I guess it, it was a great world experience for my kids. Uh, you know, they're all very social and, and know how to adapt. And I guess that's from going to new schools and, and making new friends. So um, even though it, it, I look back on it, I should have went, I retired a little bit early. You know, uh, there's always a plus out of it. And, uh, and that was one of them. One of the other things, too, is you ended up your career playing in Europe. You played in Germany, correct? Yes. 
Well, it, it was funny how that all happened because I, I retired from, I should say I retired. I had to, because of an injury, a shoulder injury in Colorado, I came home and uh, had given up on it and uh, had the surgery. And, and then when I get back, everything felt great. So I uh, tried to come back and make a comeback in the AHL, got a few games at the end of the career in, in Chicago. And, and then I got a call from this European team in, in Germany and they said, would you like to come over? Uh, I went over, I think it was January 1st when I got there, and, and uh, I think it was all over in April, and, and I just looked at my family and said, you want to go to Germany for four months? And they said, yeah, let's do it. So I went over. And, you know, again, a great experience. Kids got to experience a lot of uh, Europe. Um, they went to a lot of places that uh, they never probably get a chance to go to. So, again, great experience, and uh, we'll do it all over again if I have the chance. What do you make of the fact that uh, the National Hockey League now is going regularly to Europe to play? Sharks are going there for the second time. They played in Stockholm in 2010 and uh, then in Berlin and in Prague in 2022. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, probably great. They're, they're trying to grow the game. So they want, uh, the, you know, the people in Europe to see the NHL product and what it uh, can bring and, and uh, make kids that want to play hockey over there, want to shoot as the NHL is the best league, uh, league in the world, you know, get them to hopefully want to play in the NHL one day. Yeah, really fantastic stuff. We're talking to Todd Gill, former San Jose Sharks captain. Uh, you didn't play a playoff game with the Sharks during those times uh, in 96 to 98. However, um, you had some pretty memorable playoff experiences, primarily with Toronto. And I want to focus on that one year, 93, you played 21 games that season and, of course, uh, had a memorable series with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, is that probably your, your greatest playoff memory, just going through all of that? Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, you know, beating Detroit, uh, you know, we weren't expected to beat Detroit. And we didn't have the best offensive team. We had Dougie and, and Dave Anichuk and Glenn Anderson were kind of our go-to goal scorers. And, Everybody else had a role. Pat Burns did an unbelievable job in, in giving somebody a role and then that person wanting to be the best at that role. And, you know, for example, myself, you know, I was a power play guy and, and we got a penalty. I wasn't even looking back at the coach goal on the go. I, I knew it wasn't my job. I knew it was Bobby Reddice or Junior McCown or Savannah Dave Allen. You know, everybody had a, a role and you just cheered the guys on and, and uh, and hope that uh, they did their job so that when I got my opportunity, they would do the same for me. Speaking of that, you played for some amazing coaching personalities in the NHL. I mean, you played for John Brophy. You played for Doug Carpenter, Pat Burns. Uh, the list goes on and on. Daryl Sutter and Al Sims in San Jose. And then you played for Joel Quenville in St. Louis. And then when you went to Detroit, Scotty Bowman was your head coach. My goodness, uh, what great coach didn't you play for? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, after my hockey career, I got into coaching, and uh, and I will say that every individual coach I had, I, I would take a bit of what what would they do in this situation, and uh, it uh, it helped me out a lot. And uh, I can say that coaching was was a passion for me as well, and, and uh, I did it for quite a few years, and then decided that it was time to, to stop that. My uh, wife decided she's going to open up a cookie company, so I decided to get back home with her and, uh, and run that with her. 
Well, that's that's awesome. Before we get to that, I, I did want to spend a little time with your coaching career because uh, you, you started back where you began in Brockville with the Braves. You were the head coach there. Then you ended up going to the OHL for a few years. And then you got to the American Hockey League, and all of a sudden you were out in California for two years with the Stockton Heat and the American Hockey League. Uh, tell us about coming back to California. Tell us about the, your experiences coaching and, and how you feel that coaching may have changed since since you were playing. Well, uh, going, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, I signed a three-year deal with, with Calgary's fire team, and, and uh, we were down here in New York, which is only about two and a half hours from Brockville, so it was awesome. I'd be able to get what I needed to, and, and they could come down to see me when they needed to, and, and then all of a sudden I uh, found out that we had to go out to Stockton, California for uh, two years. And that was kind of a big uh, shock, and, and anyways, we went out there, now I can honestly say Stockton probably wasn't my favorite city to, to play in. Um, obviously, it was a little rough, and you had to be careful where you went and what you did. And, and uh, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, I would have wanted my family with me at the time because, like I said, uh, where we were, um, I was broken into twice. Uh, it was just kind of a, a situation where I... Uh, you know, probably glad I experienced it, but it was a little bit scary. Well, and the Flames Our have since coaches. Flames have since uh, moved back to uh, to Calgary with the team, and the, you know, the, and you yeah. moved on too. You went, you ended up in Owen Sound. Yeah, I went back to Owen Sound and, and got back into the OHL. But um, again, was there for two years, and, and then uh, decided that it, it, you know it was time to move on, and, and uh, here we are back in in Elgin where. Uh, that's just uh, north of Kingston in the lake area, pretty nice country up there. And you said your wife uh, decided to start a cookie company. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, uh, she started, it's called 23 and Co. And uh, how it all started for years and years and years, when I would go to the rink, um, she'd always bake me a couple cookies to, to take with a coffee down to the rink. And, and then kids' birthday parties and teen parties and, uh, you know, her cookies started to become pretty popular amongst the teammates. And and she uh, now is, is their gourmet cookies are just not a normal little uh, chocolate chip cookie. So right now she started up her company and, and uh, she's doing very well and, and hopefully uh, it gets better um, as we go along here. Your wife, Krista, has been a big part of your life, obviously, as a professional player and a coach. What about the importance of family? And tell us about your family these days. Well, it's, uh, I think, the most important thing. Um, sometimes when you're a player, you kind of forget. You think hockey's first and family's second, and, and you can't do that because without the family, you, uh, you probably wouldn't be where you are. Um, my family's great. Uh, my two oldest daughters uh, are both having uh, babies here in the next month. And uh, I'm a grandfather two times over, so I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, my oldest boy is in the military, and he's doing well. And my youngest boy uh, is living in Toronto, and he, uh, he has a good job, and everybody's doing great. Well, that's really something special and something to cherish what, whatsoever. Uh, you don't watch the game of hockey too much these days, do you? I do not. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it's from my coaching career. You, you know, you asked me early and I didn't answer. What's the difference between the coaching now and back when I, when I played? And, you know, it's, it's a 24-7 job now. 
there's so much video that you have to run through and through and break down. And, and I'll be honest with you, after so many years of doing that, I think for me to watch a game, I just can't watch and enjoy it and, and see the talent and what they're doing. I'm breaking it down, and my wife says, you know, you got to stop. So I... <laughs> I uh, I don't watch too much. Uh, uh, you know, I'm still a Maple Leaf fan, and, and uh, I love the playoffs. So um, I do watch a bit in the, in the fall. Well, that's that's also awesome. And you know, of course, your love of the game never really dies away, does it? It really doesn't. You know, um, I say I don't want to coach again, but if you know, or play again, but and I know I'm exaggerating here, but if someone ever came and said, "Here's a track play for a year," I'd jump at it real, real quick. Well, I don't blame you for that. Uh, give us an idea about uh, uh, about your time with the San Jose Sharks. If you had to kind of uh, crystallize it in any way, um, what it was like for your family and, and what your best memories are from San Jose. Well, we love San Jose. We live down in Los Gatos, and uh, I'm going to name drop here, but Roger Mulpey was my, uh, my next-door neighbor, and we got to know them very well and, and enjoy their company. And, you know, the town of Los Gatos, when I got traded back to, or sorry, when I uh, went back for coaching in Stockton, we drove down to Los Gatos, and I couldn't, I, could, I didn't recognize it, how big it's gotten, and, and all the new stores and everything that they had. When I played there, it was more of just a little village with a, a bunch of good little restaurants and, and, uh, and boutiques. So I love my time there. Uh, I wouldn't change it for the world, and, and uh I can't wait to actually get back there and, and visit Roger and and, uh, and see what the town looks like now. Well, we would love to see you, whether you caught up with the Sharks in uh, in Toronto or in Ottawa or if you actually were in the Bay Area. Uh, Todd, we, we know that you were an important part of Sharks history and still are, uh, a captain of the team and somebody that was universally respected here. And uh, I just want to say thanks for all that you did for the Sharks during the time you were here, you and your wife Krista and the family because uh, everything the Sharks have done were built on the building blocks of those veteran players, including yourself, during those years. And uh, on behalf of the team, I'd just like to say thanks for that, and thanks for joining us today. Well, Dan, I appreciate you saying that. and uh, It was great meeting you and and, and everybody else that uh, we got the opportunity to meet down there. It was great times. We look forward to some more. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Dan. I'm Dan Rusinowski. See you next time on another episode of Where Are They Now?